Hello, everyone. This is Zach sitting with Jess. Hello. And this is the Hillier Tribe podcast. Thank you for joining us. We have a cool podcast, I think, ahead of us. Um, it's one of many um, on this series, or we're creating a series, <laughs> I should say. Uh, Jess and Miguel went down to Peru. Um, and Tressa. And Tressa, that's right. No, let's not forget Tressa. And we've already done a podcast with Miguel. Um, and now we have a podcast with Jess. And I think we're going to have to cut this one up into several because Jess had more uh, experiences, realizations, and so forth to talk about. There's so, a lot of stories. We're yeah. not really sure where we're going with this one. <laughs> no. Um, but I, I think uh, we can start with combo and then get into you also so you you went down you you visited with uh what's his name dayon dayon and what's the name of the camp combo naturista combo naturista and you met with him with plans of of doing some work together in addition to that you um went to amaru spirit where um you did a tobacco dieta and a Chiriksanango. Yeah, dieta, And you also had several ceremonies. Um, and, and a big San Pedro ceremony as uh, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And a drum journey. Ah. And yeah. didn't you do the um, initiation around the... Correct me if I'm wrong. I meant uh, with the, the cards, um, with the drum... We didn't do any cards, but there was there was an initiation aspect to the drum journey, okay. which was also done with the aid of beautiful medicine, coca. Coca, excellent, excellent. Um, and you were down there for three weeks, um, and you you started. Let's just get back to the beginning, which was you started with going to see. Um, Day on. Day on. <laughs> it's not the oh, I will remember it, from, I think, from now on. Day on. So what was the... You had an intention uh, meeting with him. Um, can you talk about... No, I'll just let you talk about that whole yeah. situation. Well, it was actually one of the first things we did upon arriving to Iquitos. We had, uh, we had one afternoon and night there, and then Tressa and I got up in the morning and took a boat across the Amazon, which was so cool, and it was quite a journey on the way back, too, which I'll talk about. Um, but we journeyed over there to meet with Dayon, and uh, my intention with meeting with Dayon was to create a retreat that I would want to do uh, with him. Actually, he already had, when I went looking for, for someone to meet up with there, he actually already had my dream retreat planned out. Mm. It was exactly what I would have wanted to put together myself, which mm -hmm. is to go with the Matse to collect the medicine from the frogs mm -hmm. and uh, to have the opportunity to do fresh medicine mm -hmm. and also to do a dieta with combo. Mm -hmm. And he already has that all set up. And it was really awesome in speaking with him because our journeys, while very different, have some very similar elements to mm -hmm. them. And I can just foresee that uh, it's going to be a very natural relationship there. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. And um, 
so there's a plans in the works to work together yes. with them, right? Yes, actually, we, we've just solidified the dates. Mm. So it's going to be uh, 2022, September 19th through the 30th. Mm. Um, we did add something on it is that we are going to open the dieta with a ceremony and we are going to close also and the with ceremony. Ceremony being ayahuasca. ayahuasca. Cool. Um, and do you want to talk a little bit about... Um, Dayan, yeah. <laughs> in terms of what he, his journey, and not to put words in his mouth, but he described yeah. his journey with combo, and it's similar to um, your perspective in your own direct experience as well. Yeah. So Dayan went down to Peru in 2010, and he's been mostly living there, um, and also doing some international travel to serve combo and and do some other work. Um, but he's been living mostly in the jungle since 2010. Mm. And uh, he met Kambo uh, through the Matse for the first time in 2013. Mm. Um, so he learned from the Matse. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're the tribe that has probably the longest and most extensive relationship with Kambo. Mm. Um, but they use it... They use it very differently mm-hmm. uh, than we do in the Western context. Mm-hmm. So he learned how to collect the medicine, how to extract it, and how to apply it from them. But then um, he actually learned from ayahuasca mm-hmm. and the combo spirit itself, mm-hmm. um, how to use it in a more... It had more spiritual teachings to offer him, he mm-hmm. realized, than what the matse could offer mm-hmm. And um, my perspective on that is really similar in that um, ayahuasca also led me to Combo. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Combo helped me in my journey with ayahuasca um, in becoming a facilitator mm-hmm. of those ceremonies. And ayahuasca has helped me with Combo. And so they have both been my main teachers. So in the same way that Dayan had his initiation and learned from the Matse, I had an initiation and learned and then was taught directly from ayahuasca and combo. So we have a similarity in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 Cause, <clears throat> um, well, I was close, my, my camp down in Peru that I had back in 2000, I opened 11, 2011 till mid 2014 we were quite close to some Matse communities and um, my teacher actually, Gumercindo Galindo, spent a fair amount of time with the Matse uh, as he was growing up in the medicine. Um, in the Matse, you know, <clears throat> combo is their thing. I mean, that's, they constantly use it. And according to so I, I, my first experience with combo uh, was with a Matze um, gentleman uh, named Pepe who uh, showed up at our camp. And um, that was an interesting experience, but I think I've described it before, but we won't get into that right now. But where I'm going is there's a great book by Peter Gorman. Sapo in My Soul. Sapo in My Soul. And he spent a lot of time with the, the Matse and he, Peter Gorman <clears throat> took Combo um, to several 
not pharmaceuticals, but science, scientists, right, who, who then uh, did some studies on the uh, aspects, the, the biopeptides. Bio, biopeptides. Um, and so Peter Gorman has a lot of background, and he stated in his book that he could not really determine any specific spiritual cosmology yeah it, it was kind of this the way he took it and the way it, it makes sense why would there be a separate spiritual cosmology from just living in in it yeah uh, uh, go ahead yeah so i don't pretend to be any kind of expert on the matse whatsoever but um their lifestyle is such that there is no separation right. between what is daily life reality and what is spiritual life it is all the same Mm -hmm. so they don't have ceremony around combo and in fact they start giving combo to the kids at like three years old Mm. and there's no like combo shaman everybody has it everybody applies it it's used in the they so I had the opportunity um, along with Miguel and with Tressa to meet with a Matse chief mm-hmm. at Amaru Spirit, mm. and uh, Chief uh, Angel is his name. Um, he regaled us with some really amazing um, creation stories mm. uh, from the Matse that aren't printed anywhere and mm-hmm. nobody knows them. He's going to write a book about it. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, but he he told us all kinds of ways that they use it, mm-hmm. and <laughs> some of them are really wild. <laughs> um, for one, they will start using it. They get up at like three o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. every day, and if the kids don't want to get up, they get combo. <laughs> so they learn how to get up and get busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and if anybody's you know getting sick or even feeling just a little lazy, they just put combo on uh-huh. he also described some other uses of combo which i think are completely fascinating um Dayon mentioned to me that the fresh medicine that comes directly from the frog when you apply it you take the medicine from the frog and apply it directly to an open gate mm-hmm. that medicine doesn't wane like medicine that we have that's stored on the sticks right, so right. that that experience will last anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes wow. but this fresh medicine will come in waves until you take it off oh. it will just keep going and building and building and building so you don't even need more than like two points yeah. if that yeah, yeah. like one to three points is all Probably you'd be able to do yeah. of the fresh medicine which in this retreat we're going to have the opportunity to do. Um, But other ways that Angel uh, regaled us about the usage is um, you can leave, you can do a lot of points and leave the medicine on until you decide to die. Oh. And he said, once you die, then you wake up and you have visions. Hmm. And uh, there are all, all kinds of visions. And specifically, they, they use it for hunting. And he said that it, it makes it so that you can run in the forest and there are no obstacles for you. You can be barefoot. You don't get thorns. You don't mm-hmm. get caught up in branches. And this is so that you can be quick with hunting and also escape any, any enemies that you might meet mm. in the forest. So it's, it's almost, not almost, it sounds like combo in this context is being used 
to get in full alignment, in full right relationship with the jungle, such that, and I, I say this because Alberto Vilda, who I've been work, working with um, recently in depth, that's a the, the core shamanic concept is getting, if you get, if one gets in right relationship with the natural world, with the universe, it works with you, for you. And if you are out of that relationship, that's when things go sideways. And so it sounds like that's what this is, use of combo is facilitating. Is that Yes, yeah. yes. It's very much a, an alignment mechanism and a survival mechanism mm -hmm. as well. So they obviously have a different approach to using it. Um, among some other ways that they use is they do snort it, which is the most dangerous way. Mm -hmm. um, people actually do die from doing that. Mm. And you can also use a cotton swab to apply it inside your anus. <laughs> also very dangerous. Yeah. He also described, and this was very interesting to me, um, drinking three big drinks of tobacco before putting it on. So very strong tobacco drinks. Oh. So doing a tobacco purge prior to putting the medicine on, and he said that that can also bring visions. Uh-huh. So. That would make sense. Yeah, tobacco being quite visionary, and if you do it right. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> um so, and it, it's interesting, so backing up a little bit, the death process uh, that you described in the beginning where you put on the points, leave them in there until you decide to die, that is uh, metaphorical or spiritual death. And yes. then you come, you come back. Yes, but um, he was relaying that you, you really, like, you're believing that you're going to die and you have to surrender into it and give up uh -huh. to it. And, and it gives you very powerful visions at that point, which is a really interesting way to know combo. Uh -huh. um, I've had a few people get visions occasionally, uh -huh. and I have once gotten visions, um, but it's not known as a visionary medicine right. the way that we use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I too, particularly when we were being trained, yes. uh, receive visions. Um, and so it's interesting you brought this up um, because it sounds like there is a little more nuance to what Peter Gorman was saying, uh, given this, what you, you just described. So there is, is, is a spiritual aspect in the Matze, but a very extreme. Um, <laughs> well, they, I don't think they would call it spiritual, though. Right. They would just call that life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so Dan worked with Lamontse for a long still works with Lamontse yes and he has come to some other realizations as it relates to combo yeah through his work with ayahuasca actually which he's been deeply involved in I think since 2003 mm -hmm. um, he's trained with many different maestros and has done a lot of plant dietas which mm -hmm. is what led him to do the combo dieta where he connected a lot more deeply with that spirit mm -hmm. and found that there were a lot more things to learn. Mm -hmm. And so just just the application of just understanding that combo has more to offer for the Western mm -hmm. 
mindset, the Western consciousness, there are specific Western wounds and there are ways that combo can work with us mm-hmm. that are not the the ways that it grew out of the Matze relationship right. with right. it. Right. So this leads us towards this, this um, idea that we come up against on occasion, which is yeah. this whole cultural appropriation thing. Um, before we get into that, I want to back up a little bit. Um, before we had this, started this podcast where we were talking, and um, we often, not often, it's just, on our Facebook page or what have you, we get a lot of, um, a fair amount, I should say, of people yelling at us <laughs> <laughs> and um, about cultural appropriation and so forth. And my experience on the ayahuasca side, and I have more experiences to relay in the non-plant medicine world, wherein the really respected teachers, maestros, medicine people, do not have a problem with Caucasians or people from other cultures coming and learning from them and then taking those those teachings uh, out of that context they feel in my experience that that it's actually quite important and and that it helps the modern world get back into alignment and right relationship with nature with mother earth with with the archetypes in shamanism uh, as an example and this has happened with me as a child when i was growing up and, and for the record i'm i'm mestizo i'm indigenous <laughs> um my, my tribe is um turtle mountain uh, chippewa uh, and my reservation is the turtle mountain reservation i grew up on the rosebud reservation which is lakota sioux and so I had uh, a lot of exposure to Lakota spirit, uh, spirituality. Uh, we worked with my family worked with a medicine man Norbert Running and Albert Whitehat. Um, both, if anyone's familiar with the Rosebud Reservation, would know those names. Um, albeit, they're both both dead at this point. But um, there was a openness and a willingness to 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 share, and and they told me directly that. Yeah, this is this is important for the rest of the world to understand, uh, experience these things, and through that there can be mutual understanding on a on a person to person level, but also more importantly, uh, a better relationship between the modern world and the Mother Earth um, and spirit. So that's one. Then of course my teacher Gumersino Galindo. Uh, down in Peru was super he's just like yeah the medicines for everybody this is really you know important important and uh, currently I'm working with uh, studying with uh, Alberto Viodo doing his his training program and he talks about both the Hopi and and also the Quero the um, uh, the peoples in the Andes high up in the Andes um, talking about no this is the time we have to take these teachings out and spread them and that's what Viodo's doing through uh, non-plant medicine um, 
uh, training program so that uh, people in the Western world can appreciate and get into right relationship with the natural world, Mother Earth, and the and, and spirit. Um, so you know, these are things that I've also heard indirectly. So there's a there's a conflict here between the people getting upset. Um, and the people who actually know, you know, mm-hmm. who, who, who has the authority. And I would argue the authority comes from the teachers. Yes, there are going to be some teachers who aren't willing to train um, Western people, and that's fine. And the big hitters, from what I can tell, the big hitters in that space are like, no, we need to bring this out. We need to, we need to get it out there into the West. Yeah. And, you know, those teachers also recognize the signs for people who are, who are ready to carry the medicine. And it kind of reminds me of that scene in Avatar mm. <laughs> where, um, where the guy is meeting the tribe for the first time and uh, the sahik, uh, the shaman woman, comes mm. out and she pricks him and tastes his blood and she says, well, we shall see if your insanity can be cured. <laughs> because I think that's how generally indigenous people feel about the modern world is that there is an insanity. Mm-hmm. But that it that these medicines and opening consciousness and reconnecting with the earth is a cure. Mm-hmm. Is a cure for the insanity. So, and I mean... Ultimately, yes, power with the teachers, but even ultimately, ultimately power with the spirits Mm -hmm. of the medicine themselves because it's my direct experience and um, my belief that these spirits are coming out of the jungle and seeking people Mm -hmm. who can carry the medicine and can carry it to more people in more places because what's good for mother earth what's good for those tribes Mm -hmm. is what's good for humanity Mm -hmm. and curing our insanity is a top priority yeah exactly yeah um and should i should i go down the the critical race theory we can give it a shot give it a shot okay so um i became very interested in critical race theory because i kept hearing about it and people complaining about it and <laughs> and other people being very much behind it. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, what is this? And went down a bit of a, a rabbit hole. And I'm going to start with a realization I had, and that is that critical race theory for, has forgotten or cho- has chosen to ignore spirituality and therein lies a big issue in this argument as it relates to um, people from the West practicing uh, medicine or ceremonies or what have you. And I'll explain that statement. <laughs> so critical race theory came from Marxism. Uh, Karl Marx came out with his, um, his, his ideas wherein he thought that the um, owners of production were exploiting the proletariat or the workers and if only the workers had um, a a partnership or ownership or where everything collectively owned collective ownership it would be great for everybody and that went out into the world and we had some 
countries adopt it. Not not too many, but it turned out to be a, a pretty big disaster. <laughs> I don't know anyone who can point to all the killing and deaths that um, started those revolutions was a good thing, and then ultimately um, it all fell fell apart, and we don't we don't really have uh, a viable. Um, communist country in existence that's not really just authoritarianism um so that came to pass and and, and there were some intellectuals marxist intellectuals who were like well why did this happen and from what i understand they're like oh well it's not it's not an economic issue it's a cultural issue so it's those people in power are through their, the media and the, the message that they, they are able to control are hoodwinking the workers. And that's why we're not seeing, ma- we didn't see and aren't seeing mass rising of, of the proletariat or workers to have a collective ownership um, of, uh, of means of production. So it's, it's a cultural thing, and that's you know, and it's because the the oppressors oppress the oppressed, <laughs> and then that went into race eventually. Um, but what, as it relates to medicine work, what critical race theory people may not understand is again, it's connected to Marxism. Marxism said specifically <laughs> that. They, they were anti-religion or anti-spirituality. That is, religion is the spirit uh, is the opiate of the masses, and so that's an underlying theme that I don't think a lot of people realize as it transfers over to critical race theory. And it's important to point out that the medicine work and the, the shamanic work, um, shamanism has, is, is across the world, and there's some uh, consistencies that we can we can point to. Um, in pretty much every culture, but then then religion did come in, and then we get into dogma and and, and all of this, this more negative stuff. Um, but shamanism is direct experience and highly individual, and if if one is looking at it from a critical race theory perspective lens or a Marxist lens. They, they don't make, because there is lack spirit or the acknowledgement of God or the acknowledgement of spirits, what have you, our view or the response of, hey, this is, this, the spirit is what's calling. This spirit has gifted this medicine to work with this medicine to me or you or whomever is, is doing the practice. Um, so it's a tough it's a tough thing to to mend uh, if if there isn't that common understanding of spirit and God um, and or God however you want to say it does that make sense am I I I think so I'm not as I'm not as well read on critical race theory or Marxism at, as you are but you know I I do I do want to take this opportunity because I've been thinking about this for a long time uh-huh. to just talk for a minute oh. and uh you know i'm not going to make too much of a disclaimer here because i know that some people will get angry at what i'm going to say oh. um but uh what i would invite is that you know for everyone listening to just give the benefit of the doubt to the speaker and if you if there's personal attacks 
that's that's the end of you know that's not a discussion mm-hmm. anymore that mm. that becomes that just becomes the end of being able to relate with each other and potentially see each other's perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to start by saying I was I never in my life had the idea that I was going to go out and become an <laughs> ayahuasca shaman mm. or or someone who served combo. That was never a plan that I had. Um, I found ayahuasca through nutrition work. And the only reason that I went to this, I, th- I thought it was a little silly. I'm going to be honest. I was at Paleo FX and there's a panel on shamanism. The only reason I went to that panel was because Nora Gedgaudis was speaking on it mm-hmm. and Daniel Vitalis, who I had met earlier, encouraged me to go because he said it was going to be a really good conversation. Mm. I sat there and I listened to people that I respect very much saying that exploration of human consciousness and spirituality was a missing nutrient Mm -hmm. in the human diet. Mm -hmm. And it literally, literally what happened was that lights shot up my spine and into my head. Like I had I literally had lights going off. That I that's what they mean mm-hmm. when they say light bulbs going off in your head. That was happening. And I knew immediately that I needed to go and sit with ayahuasca and I had no idea how that how or when that was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And to this point I had had like I had done mushrooms maybe twice or three times mm-hmm. and the realm of psychedelics and that kind of exploration was mm-hmm. unbeknownst to me mm-hmm. for the most part. Within six months, a friend of mine had planned the trip. Mm. And he had planned it for me and uh, the person that I was working for and his wife. And they had all heard of Zach and his two students um, from someone else in the in the paleo community who had gone down to the jungle to sit with them. So I didn't even have to make a move to plan the thing. Mm-hmm. It just got done. Then I wasn't sure how I was going to pay for my plane ticket. And I had taken a trip out to Seattle to interview for a job. And on the way home, they asked me, since the flight was overbooked, if I wanted to maybe sign up for a lottery Mm -hmm. ticket. Mm -hmm. And so I took that opportunity, and I got it. And it was for exactly the amount of my ticket (laughs) to go. I mean, I think it was maybe over by $2 or something like that. It was amazing. And then I got there. And oh my God, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the dieta, the trees started talking to me the first thing. And then I drank the medicine. And one of the first things that ayahuasca told me after she was a red cobra, wrapped me up in her beautiful hooded head and flew me off into so many places I can't even tell you but one of the first things she said to me is it's fine for you to lay down right now and just experience this but you're not going to need to sit up because we're going to be working together 
And I, you know, I had my, that was definitely like way deep in the medicine, but I was definitely having my thoughts like how time, money, Mm -hmm. and that sense was don't even worry about it. I'm taking care of the details. Mm -hmm. And within this retreat, uh, Zach and I had an amazing connection Mm -hmm. and it didn't fully come to light until it was in ceremony and there was just some really intense connection between the two of us and I mean, we fell in love. Mm-hmm. And I went home after that retreat, and then I could I could feel it whenever Zach drank. I could feel the medicine, and I, I would be in the medicine, and we had a lot of interactions from 3,000 miles away. Yeah. Mm. And it just got really clear really fast. That it, this Oh, this is happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is actually happening. I never once asked for that. I never thought of myself as being someone who would do that. Mm -hmm. And it just happened. And then in the same way, when I went the next time to visit Zach, and I did drink again, uh, I met a combo practitioner who happened to live uh, 15 minutes away from where I was taking my new job in Seattle. Mm Mm-hmm. And I ended up living with her and another combo practitioner, and she gifted me combo mm-hmm. my first time. And I had a very strong connection with combo at that point, mm. and realized that combo was going to help prepare me to facilitate the ayahuasca ceremonies. Mm. And so, it just you know I I don't want to sound. I'm, I'm not saying this from a messianic kind of point of view because I think this is happening to a lot a of people. people. Yeah. You know, I'm certainly not the only one that this is happening to, but these spirits are seeking people out. Mm-hmm. That that was, you know, that was fated. That was orchestrated. Yeah. And, to, and it continues to be highly orchestrated. And I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. But... To say that anyone is the owner of these spirits or can control what kind of ceremonies they're in or how they help the rest of humanity, I think is, um, it breaks my heart that people feel that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because humanity honestly needs this. Yeah. Yeah. It is a missing nutrient. And to think at this point, when travel may indeed be drying up, we don't know where that's going to go. Mm-hmm. To think that this door to deeper consciousness, deeper connection with the earth, and spiritual openness may have closed for some people because they cannot go to Peru mm-hmm. to sit with an indigenous maestro is sad. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but... People who've grown up in a Western context and can also interact with and serve the medicine have greater greater context for the Western mindset, for the wounds that we are currently suffering and, and how and how to best hold space for those things because we we can identify with it. We can see ourselves in the people that we serve and there's an extra degree of separation when you go and sit with an indigenous maestro as lovely as that is mm-hmm. yeah and to be clear we're not saying one is they're, they're completely different yeah and they um both incredibly valuable uh and um 
both on a healing level but also on a spiritual level um and that's kind of the point it's like people come to us all on a fair occasion and ask hey I'm, i'm going to peru where should i go um or should i go and it's like yeah definitely go do it and you know we we're it's been a while since um, I've been down there, and I, I've formed. I've always had this relationship with Amaru Spirit Slocum, who, who runs it, um, and he brings in some really high quality shamans. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, by all means, um, and it's different, right? So yeah. and we don't we don't pretend portend pretend um, we're not copying anything yeah. uh, that are the way that our ceremonies and, and the way that we operate has has changed a lot we've brought in a lot of meditation and other techniques um, yeah. other energies uh-huh. um, I grew up in Kashmir Shaivism so there's a lot of that energy like the, yeah. the Kundalini work and, and all those things coming in and then more recently even um, we've been diving very deeply into the world of sound healing and we've had a lot of the Egyptian energies and pantheon come through um, both in the sound healing and in ceremonies there's a lot that is expanded and and added um, in the way that we operate we're by no means trying to exactly replicate what's happening in the jungle again because you know the people we serve up here are different than than yeah and we when we bring new things in um, we first make sure uh, is this in alignment and with the work that we're going for and is it for the the best i mean can we do something above and beyond the the foundational ceremony with this new energy this new technique this new relationship with a um, uh, new spirit yes. and um it ha- th- those are the criteria right and it and it is very much for the benefit of the Western uh, audience that we work with, um, and yeah, uh, this I, I really liked. You're talking about the these spirits want are coming out of the jungle. I mean, the, these are both combo and ayahuasca are not easy medicines, and they, it's not like they were hidden. <laughs> um, prior to their expansion, right? The, the, they were around. Um, I, I, giving you some context, those who are listening, some context who don't know, we really didn't start hearing about ayahuasca until late '90s, early 2000s, and then Combo came after that. And even now, there are several. It's less so, but there are several people um, who have never heard of ayahuasca or don't know what it is, or combo, uh, combos even more so. So the point being is, they were there, and then why all of a sudden did this explosion happen? And I would argue it's not uh, so much the humans as it, it was the spirit uh, of both combo ayahuasca and all the other plants that are coming out of the out of the jungles. Yeah. Um, and the techniques, you know, because yeah. uh, things like Alberto Viodo's uh, energy medicine, which is something I'm working with now too, these things, um, according to the Laika, the the Kero the, the shamans, they're like, no, this this specific time, 
they, they, they were up in the high in the Andes and kind of disappeared. They were escaped the conquistadors, and they came down 50 years ago. Um, and people are like, whoa, <laughs> where, where have you guys been? And um, they're like, no, this is the time. We got to get, we got to start um, getting this message out. And um, they're very clear. It's like we, this has to happen. Otherwise, right. the world's gonna, gonna for hum, for humanity, the world's gonna be a, a horrible place. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody's. If I can just speak for everybody. <laughs> Everybody's spidey senses are going off right now. That something big is happening. This is a tremendous chaotic node. Mm -hmm. And we have to come through it. Mm -hmm. We have to come through it. And it can't be more clear that Western culture has lost both its, its embodiment and its connection to the earth. And both of those things have to be restored. Mm-hmm. For for us to pull through this and and come through okay, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, and the more you know, the more people who who can do it in a qualified way. So, I I think we both um, feel that if one feels called to this path, it is important to go and learn the correct way to um, to provide these medicines you put gotta in the, have the foundations yeah, yeah yeah and we're we're not advocating that people just try these medicines and then you know go out and and serve them no, no, and no. proper training is required and part of the proper training is learning the traditional way no. you know such that you can bring your medicine to that platform yeah. like that foundation this is not this is not an invitation to just go willy you know, serve yeah. serve willy-nilly there's a lot there's a lot that's involved and yeah. it takes it takes a hundred percent dedication yeah um there's there's no doubt that these medicines if you truly are called and uh and want to be part of their diaspora into the greater world mm-hmm. like you give up everything else in the service of doing that yeah and also, I want to state for the record that our intentions in this are always for the greatest and highest destiny of all beings in all times and all places. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so my story, I, before I yeah. discovered ayahuasca, I was a stockbroker and um, went kicking and screaming not into ayahuasca. I thought ayahuasca was amazing once I discovered it. But the idea of becoming um, a facilitator, shaman, whatever label you want to call it, I, it was like, no, I don't want to do that. Um, one, I saw how hard the training was. And two, um, it, it's almost, to a certain extent, it's it's almost like a, um, it, it's giving up sacrificing a lot um, and, and not, let's just go with the, the most quantifiable thing money it's I mean there are some people who um, have these big camps and they're able to make a lot of money and all that sort of thing And, and, and however um, I can think of a lot easier ways to make money than doing <laughs> this kind of work this kind of work is just hard um, particularly the way we do it and we've made some choices um, like keeping our headcount low in terms of attendees and, and making it really personal and making sure that we have and provide a lot of attention. Um, 
that just caps us in terms of what kind of monetary gain we're going to do. Um, you know, that's not to say we might, uh, I'm not constantly looking for other businesses outside of uh, our, our shamanic work, but um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is not an easy life. It is not an easy life. Well, I mean, for example, when you when you start doing this, when you when you state formally, especially your intention, or you say yes, it is twenty four seven. It it's it's stepping onto a treadmill that never stops. Mm-hmm. Um, dreams, uh, lots of energy flowing through your body all night long. Sometimes that's painful. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pieces of the work that are painful, and uh, you know, dedicating your time to keeping your life in alignment with serving the medicine that is full time that does not stop there's no break from that yeah and it and then we're constantly doing our own well this goes along with what you're saying there's always that proverbial onion being peeled mm-hmm. in terms of our own personal work we're like yes <laughs> I, I, I don't think I do it anymore but there was a point where it's like oh I'm there. I don't have to do anymore. You know, the heavy work's done or something like that. And then, bam, get hit with um, some other level of personal work that needs, oh, shit. Now, I, oh, this, oh, this is hard. Yeah. Um, it's constant. It's constant. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. Um, yeah, so we've been wanting to, to talk about this for a long time. Um, it's been coming up. And, I mean, I hope that people can just listen <laughs> um and it's it's such a unique thing that until you fully understand um what shamanism is what the perspectives are and fully dive into it i, I say hey hold off until you do that it's, it's very much like I, I come across um fundamentalist christians and they immediately, if I tell them what I do, or even if I just say you have interest in Buddhism, um, I also have a lot of, uh, I, I love the teachings of Christ too. Mm-hmm. So um, I can talk that language and sincerely so. And so I'm not just talk, speaking the language, but, um, but oftentimes there's a, a judgment called on the, their side prior to full, full understanding. And in fact, a really good example is um, my stepmom <laughs> um, laying into me about, I, I'd said, yeah, if it wasn't for my study and interest in Buddhism, um, I would have never come to the teachings of Christ, which is true. Um, and the thought behind that, or my, my perspective behind that is that Buddhism and ayahuasca and shamanism opened the door to the existence of spirit and God. Um, Buddhism, though, specifically does not talk about God. And so in our conver- my conversation with my stepmother, she laid it, she said, you know, the Buddhists, they, they worship a dead God. And da, 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 da. I'm like, what are you talking about? Buddhism doesn't talk about God at all. In fact, they make a very distinct uh, and clear effort not to say anything about God. Yeah. It's uh, non-theistic. It's non-theistic. It's not atheistic, but it's non-theistic. So those kinds of conversations tell me 
and, and this, that's just an example. I've had others tell me that the, the, those people are throwing rocks without even knowing what they're trying to hit. <laughs> uh, they, they don't even they're, they're, there's judgments being passed without even a full understanding of what's going on on the other side, and that's unfortunate. And that, that, I think that's going on. Uh, in our society as a whole, around spirituality, around, in this case, uh, the idea of cultural appropriation is not fully understanding, hey, we wouldn't do this if we didn't get the go-ahead. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, and if we didn't look at the fruits of our labor and go, wow, this is helping people. This right. is helping people. Um because if it weren't, then why, why would we, we do, do it? it? <laughs> Again, if I, and if someone says, well, you're just trying to make money, it's like, well, I can make money in a lot easier way that's not, that would be much more profitable and just generally easier from a life standpoint. Um, and so those arguments are kind of lame. <laughs> or they don't have any substance. But well, lame is uh, you know, a good if you if you are potentially feeling triggered by this conversation, a good way to interact with and potentially try to understand another's perspective is mm. called steel manning. Mm. So instead of straw manning and looking at everything that's weak about that argument, maybe try to you know argue it yourself from the perspective of someone who who holds that perspective so try to build up that argument and in that way step into the shoes of someone who's who's making it i'm not trying to make any arguments actually i'm just expressing what my experience has been and also you know adding some beautiful things have come from the blending of cultures Mm -hmm. for example buddhism vajrayana buddhism wouldn't be vajrayana if kashmir shaivism hadn't come Mm -hmm. to meet Buddhism. And that's what gives us this beautiful tantric iteration mm-hmm. of Buddhism. And man, we love that. Where would we be without without that? Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, there's just, there are a lot of beautiful things. I'll, I'll bring another example. So the Native American church, the Peyote Church, um, it was a big movement throughout the tribes. It was, you know, Lakota Sioux were not peyote traditionally traditionally we're not peyote um users or uh, uh, practitioners i shouldn't say users is not the right word but um but it was through the 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 establishment of the native american church which came from i I believe the peyote groves in the the south and the lakota and, and all the tribes north they just didn't have uh significant access and there have been some wonderful medicine men uh, Leonard Crowdog, for example, who is um, very well known in the, the Native American church for uh, for peyote. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize, but the Lakota, Lakota Sioux, when the white people showed up, they were in the process of building their empire. They were going out and kicking ass. <laughs> so they were, they were the, the big power um, in the plains. Um, the point being is they were going out and taking territory and expanding themselves at the same time as the white people did. And so them as a tribe working with these other tribes that were their enemies to create this beautiful movement with the peyote church, the Native American church, that's a, 
that's what we're talking about. We Westerners as oppressors are going, oh, wait a second, this, 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 this group has something really special and we need to drop that bullshit that we had to create something beautiful. Does that make sense or my It does. Yeah. But you know, all all of this to say, right, that it is it is your human birthright to be able to communicate with the unseen world. Mm-hmm. Just because you're a westerner or a gringo doesn't mean you can't speak to spirits. Mm-hmm. Right? And everyone, every human being has the capacity to do that. And Combo and ayahuasca are ever so helpful in reestablishing that connection for us, which in the West has been almost completely lost. Mm-hmm. So, I think we, I think we need to wrap up a little bit on the on the whole cultural appropriation conversation. I just personally want to. I, I hope that I was clear. I know I stumbled a bit around the critical race theory. Um, explanation I hope the uh, message came through and I just hope that everyone could just get along <laughs> um, but no I, I, I really hope that people take this conversation and really dive into an understanding of the what is perceived as the other before judging um, right which is you know, it's hard to do because we're human yeah and if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it, but let's not yell, yell at, each at each other, other. <laughs> because that's when that's when the meeting of the minds gets shut down. And when we can, when we can join these apparent paradoxes, that is expansion of consciousness. So mm-hmm. let's try to join up instead yeah. of trying to tear each, each other, other down. down. Yeah. yeah, and and to add to that, the tearing down is not going to help. Anybody. Anybody, nor is it going to help us get in right relationship with each other, right relationship with spirit, and right, most importantly, or most um, urgently, is right relationship with earth. Mm-hmm. We need that. And Indeed. fighting amongst ourselves is not going to get us anywhere close to that. In fact, it's going to make it worse, is my personal opinion. Okay. So, um, so thank you for listening to me about that. Let's now let's kind of wrap back and talk about this special retreat that you're um, going to do over the September. So September nineteenth through thirtieth, two thousand twenty-two. Two thousand twenty-two uh, in Iquitos. It's it's on the edge of Iquitos. Makes, Makes it convenient. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah a Rough. beautiful beautiful boat ride. A little a little scary if there's a big storm, but that's another story <laughs> for another day. Yeah. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about this retreat. Um, it's a, it's a very special offering and it's really, it's aimed towards those people who have a very strong relationship with combo formed already. Mm -hmm. Um, potentially if you have already ayahuasca experience, that's even better. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really aimed for those people or people who are already combo practitioners to take the level of their relationship with combo even deeper Mm -hmm. so the first part of this retreat is going to be going with the matse at night to collect medicine from the frogs and the morning we'll have fresh medicine applied directly from the frog 
on to the open gates Mm -hmm. and we'll get to experience fresh medicine which as i'm talking about it is giving me chill bumps Um, then we're going to open with an ayahuasca ceremony dieta will be seven days you will be in isolation in a tambo or your own personal hut in the jungle um mostly mosquito proof <laughs> <laughs> good luck in the jungle good luck in the um it's regular dieta food um if you're not familiar with shamanic dieta there um are some podcasts where we talk about that um but this will be dieta with combo now you may do some combo ceremonies in those seven days you may actually receive uh, the medicine as a ceremony you may be applied a single point to sit with for the day and all those determinations are going to be made on an individual basis so how many ceremonies you have or how you interact with combo during those seven days of dieta will be up to day on um, and then once we cut dieta we will have a ceremony to close an ayahuasca ceremony to close it and it will be a really beautiful retreat and I have 10 spaces available for that and I'm looking forward to journeying along with you and so yeah if you're interested in that I mean we're still we're like a year out so um, just email us at info at healyourtribe.com would be what you can do immediately Um, we will probably get an application up there shortly, but just if you don't see that application on healyourtribe.com, feel free to reach out at uh, info at healyourtribe.com. Um, in addition, let's um, talk a little bit about something more near term, which is you've got um, Dallas. Dallas. You have two things coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really, it's three. It's uh, sound healing and level one and level two combo. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Dallas, um, beginning March 18th, uh, will be doing a sound healing practitioner training, which is dovetails really beautifully with the combo training because we do some sound healing, um, in the combo training as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will be very additive to that experience. Um, we'll be doing level one of the combo training in Dallas and also directly following that level two. Um, for now, you can still break up level one and level two. Mm-hmm. Um, in the future, I'm going to be doing them all as uh, one personally. I think some of our other teachers will still offer level one and mm-hmm. level two separately, but I won't be teaching those. Yeah. Um, and remind me again of the dates for sound healing so sound healing is march 18th through the 21st okay uh combo level one is the 22nd through the 24th and then uh level two will be the 25th through the 29th or 30th yeah um and you can obviously take all of them uh, level one and two and we, we do have to mention that the sound healing is holographic sound healing yes um, through the institute for holographic sound and inner balance um very lucky lucky to have dr paul hubbard as uh, our sound healing teacher and uh he has uh trained us and given us the go ahead to provide 
all the transmissions and teachings that are involved in that training. So when they leave that sound healing level one and two sound healing, they will have be certified. Um, yes, sound. certified as a level two sound holographic sound healing practitioner yeah. through the Institute for Holographic Sound yeah. and Inner Balance. Balance. Yes, cool. Um, I think that is it for this podcast. Thank you everyone for uh, listening and taking the time to do so. If you want to find out more about the combo training and uh, sound healing training, go to healyourtribe.com. And if you like this content and would like to hear more content about combo, ayahuasca, sound healing and also plant dietas plant medicine we this whole channel on soundcloud is heal your tribe and we have quite a few podcasts out there um, for you to peruse so uh, be great for you to do so and we will be back with another episode in a couple of weeks thank you maybe even a couple of days